0: This is a production of West Virginia Public Broadcasting.
1: Support for the legislature today is provided by West Virginia University, offering education, health care, and the opportunity to achieve career success since 1867. Information at go.wvu.edu.
0: Welcome to the Legislature Today, I'm Randy Yowie. Today was the second annual Fairness for All Day in the Capitol Rotunda. Now this is an opportunity for the LGBTQ community from around the state to rally together and propose legislation. Colorful information stations and a Rotunda rally revolved around the annual focus of three Fairness West Virginia bills presented to the legislature. The Youth Mental Health Protection Act bans medical providers from practicing conversion therapy on minors. Angel's Law protects LGBTQ plus people from hate crimes by adding sexual orientation and gender identity to the existing law. And Jack Jarvis, Fairness for All Communications Director, explains that the often proposed but not yet acted upon Fairness Act is meant to ban LGBTQ plus discrimination in West Virginia in areas like employment, housing, and public spaces.
2: At the heart of it is really the belief that everyone is worthy of dignity and respect. It's the golden rule, treat others the way that you would want to be treated. So it's something that we've been working on for many, many years. And we're hopeful that as our community continues to be more active and more engaged, that lawmakers will see there's nothing to be afraid of. The Fairness Act is common sense and it's good for business.
0: 22 states and the District of Columbia have passed versions of the Fairness Act. The Senate closed out its first week of session Friday after passing 36 bills and introducing 143 more. Brianna Heaney has the story.
1: Most of the 36 bills passed today passed unanimously. Last year, the Senate suspended rules and fast-tracked 28 bills, moving them over to the House on day one. This year, the Senate has gone through the procedural process. Senate President Craig Blair said the substantial amount of bills introduced is for efficiency, and all bills that have been read thus far had been passed last year by the Senate but did not become law.
0: we got 60 days to do the work of the people of West Virginia, and you guys demonstrate that you're willing to press down on the accelerator and make a difference for the people in the state of West Virginia.
1: Some notable bills passed include Senate Bill 162, which establishes a summer feeding for all program. Senator Mike Wolfel says West Virginia has a 34 percent higher child hunger rate than the national average. And that around 15% of children in West Virginia face hunger during the summer months.
3: What this does,
0: it, it sends the mandate to the counties, to the boards of education, to say, are kids eating during the summer in your county? And if they are, that's good. If they're not, let's get some churches and other resources available out there to make sure these kids are, have nutrition.
1: Senate Bill 143 would allow education boards to contract former law enforcement officers and military veterans to provide armed security in public schools. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Brianna Heaney in Charleston.
0: Tonight, we're beginning a new feature on the legislature today. You know, education is just as important to us as delivering the news. Many social studies teachers across the state encourage their students to watch our show to better understand how government works. This session, we have two high school students who are helping us out by presenting a weekly story about the inner workings of the legislature. Let's see their first story and I'll let them introduce themselves.
4: Good evening, Mountaineers.
5: Coming to you from the Capitol, this is Amira Mustafa.
4: And I am Ben Velo.
5: And for the next 10 weeks, we will be reporting the state's legislation on the legislature today.
4: Before we get started with all of that, we figured we would take a few moments to just introduce ourselves. My name is
5: Amira and I'm a graduating senior in the class of 2024. I'm from Charleston and I'm so excited to be a reporter for the legislature today. Youth involvement in politics has always been something I've advocated for, and that's why I urge everyone listening to please remember to vote. Our country is built on democracy and it's our job as citizens to preserve this process. Every vote counts. I plan on majoring in English with a minor in political science, and I one day aspire to become a lawyer.
4: My name is Ben, another graduating senior of the class of 2024. I grew up about nine miles from right here in a small, unincorporated city called Cross Lanes. It made it really easy for me to be personally involved in our state legislator growing up. My parents are English teachers with a passion for politics and a desire for a better West Virginia, and I think that it's their devotion to community efforts that have made me search for greater education in fields like psychology, political science, fields that will eventually lead me to spread acceptance in halls like this.
5: Due to our shared passions, Ben and I decided to team up and spread political awareness to the youth on the legislature today.
4: Our elected officials just got to their offices this past Wednesday, and so while they're getting settled in, we figured we would take a few moments to tell you why it is that they're here.
5: Every year on the second Wednesday of January, our elected officials meet for 60 consecutive days in a period we call the legislative session.
4: There are three branches of government, the executive, the judicial, and the legislative.
5: But for the next few weeks, we will only be focusing on the legislative, but it is still imperative to focus and educate yourself on elected officials from all three branches.
4: Where do these elected officials come from? Who do they represent and how are they elected? That all comes from the district.
5: Our legislature is split up into two houses, the Senate and the House of Delegates.
4: There are 17 senatorial districts and 100 delegate districts.
5: Each senatorial district elects two senators, while each delegate district elects one delegate. This totals to 34 senators and 100 delegates.
4: Senators hold their terms for four years, whereas delegates only hold them for two.
5: What makes this interesting is that half the Senate is up for election every election cycle, meaning that every two years you will vote for one senator and one delegate.
4: If you are going to be 18 by this November, it is important that you educate yourself on every candidate on the ballot and make sure that you register to vote.
5: If you have not done so already, register for free online if you have a driver's license or fill out a simple form and mail it to the Secretary of State's office.
4: Once elected, both houses will elect their leaders. The Senate will elect their president, and the House of Delegates will elect their speaker.
5: Due to both of these positions being already filled, we will be observing the work of Senate President Craig Blair and House Speaker Roger Hanshaw.
4: While all of this information may seem daunting now, it will only get easier as we explore how our government affects your personal lives for the next 10 weeks.
5: Have a great evening, and we hope to see you next week where we'll be talking about committees.
4: My name is Ben Velo. And I'm Amir Mustafa. And this has been the Legislature Today.
0: Thanks for that, guys. We look forward to seeing more of your stories. Before lawmakers gaveled in this week, they got a rundown on the state of West Virginia's economy. Curtis Tate has that story.
2: John Deskins, the director of the Bureau of Business and Economic Research at West Virginia University, had a mixed message for lawmakers in his annual presentation. The good news? The state is attracting new businesses and new residents. The bad news, the state's demographics are still trending older and sicker, and economic growth is concentrated in 10 counties, leaving many others behind. Those 10 counties Deskins listed account for the most job gains, while the other 45 account for the most job losses.
6: Here what I did is I ranked all counties in terms of job growth, not percentage terms, but just the raw numbers, ranked all counties from one to 55. And here I've highlighted the top 10 growth counties. There were a couple of other growth counties. There were more than 10, but the the remaining ones were pretty small numbers. But over this period, the top 10 growth counties that I've highlighted added 14 or 15,000 jobs collectively. The remaining 45 counties lost over 58,000 jobs over the period. Part of the story behind West Virginia is You'll hear uh, you know, some of our colleagues here uh, touting, we, we attracted these businesses to West Virginia, we attracted these businesses to West Virginia, we attracted these businesses to West Virginia. All this is true, all this is legit, all this is honest. They are making really good gains in terms of attracting businesses to West Virginia and, and having positive economic development news. But those good announcements tend to be pretty concentrated.
2: Deskins pointed to recent census numbers that show the state has more deaths than births and the number of new residents hasn't caught up to that, leaving a net population loss. He noted that the population's age, health conditions, substance use disorder, and reluctance to participate in the workforce combined to keep the state from advancing faster than it could.
6: So we had a hard time diversifying our economy to begin with, but now we find that people are moving away, their numbers are shrinking. We're becoming older, less prepared for the workforce, less healthy, statistically speaking, and now we're finding that we have a problem with drug abuse. Now it's harder to grow the economy and to diversify the economy than it was to begin with, and we already had a hard time to begin with. This is the vicious cycle that I'm talking about, the downward spiral that I'm talking about uh, that characterizes many communities across Appalachia and many communities across West Virginia. So to curb this vicious cycle, it's not easy. It's not something you can just do overnight. This is a hard challenge to break this cycle. The economic development tools that we have at our disposal, it's much easier for us to take an area that's growing, that has momentum, that's moving in the positive direction, take that momentum and accelerate that momentum.
2: Deskins called the new companies that have come to West Virginia a spark that can help turn communities around. Here
6: are some wins that have been negotiated through uh, the Departments of Commerce or the Department of Economic Development. These are cool wins, and I'm very happy with these wins. Uh, I've I've just listed off several things that we've achieved through the course of 2022 and 2023. I'm sure this is not an exhaustive list, but we have, you know, good things, like I said, like Nucor and Form Energy. The fact that we have been able to land those employers may certainly be that positive spark that can turn around some of our communities that can at least create positive momentum. We have newer things that uh, I don't have as much detail on, like the Hydrogen Hub, for example, that seems like it's a great opportunity, although at least I personally have very little detail on that. Uh, And we have things like LG, which was just announced a few days ago, which may also turn out to be a really great opportunity for the state. But, But all these can be positive sparks for certain communities across the state.
2: Despite the ongoing problems, Deskins concluded there are at least some positive signs that the state is on a better path forward. For the Legislature Today, I'm Curtis Tate.
0: A little while ago, I sat down with some of my fellow reporters from West Virginia Public Broadcasting who will be covering the legislative session to discuss what we expect over the next few weeks. Here's that discussion. Well, we have just about our full West Virginia Public Broadcasting news crew here. minus Eric Douglas, our news director, who is downstairs, and Chris Schultz, who is in Morgantown. we got Brianna Heaney, who is covering southern West Virginia, and the Senate for us this year. Uh, Curtis Tate covers energy and environment. Uh, Emily Rice covers health for us. Uh, But we all kind of cover everything when it comes to the legislative session. And a little earlier, Curtis, we heard about Fairness for All Day. It's their second annual day that they had in the Rotunda today. And they talked about the three uh, bills that they're presenting, but there's two sides to this coin, isn't there?
2: Well, sure. And, and one of the main uh, pieces of legislation that they want to see passed, one of their priorities, is a, a statewide fairness law that would, would protect uh, LGBTQ people from discrimination and employment, housing, and public accommodations. That's kind of the cornerstone of these fairness laws across the country and also at the local level, there are many municipalities in West Virginia that have such laws, uh, but there is no state law here that, that, uh, that protects LGBTQ people from discrimination.
0: But there are a few laws that are on the books that the fairness for people don't agree with.
2: Well, th- there are some bills that have been introduced. And obviously, we 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 can note that there <laughs> have been hundreds of bills introduced. Not all of them will see the light of day, but there are uh, there is a renewed push uh, to restrict or or even in some cases criminalize uh, transgender people uh, or per- people who are perceived to be transgender. And and certainly uh, they op- they oppose bills like that. Um, you know, it's very similar to what's going on in other states. Um, we we've seen very recently uh, Ohio, for instance. Uh, Governor Dewine vetoed a, a, a bill that would restrict uh, medical care for transgender people, especially transgender youth. Uh, the uh, the legislature appears to, to be uh, poised to override him on that. But uh, but I think it's also important to remember that these these things don't always work politically. Um, especially for Republicans. We saw that in Kentucky last year in the in the governor's race. Uh, it just wasn't a winning message for Republicans. They couldn't a, a, a defeat a Democratic incumbent in a, a state that has politics very similar to West Virginia.
0: Yeah, I shouldn't have said laws on the books. Bills introduced, you corrected me there, and that's what we're going to be watching bills introduced. Brie, you're seeing plenty of bills introduced over in the Senate. Um, What we're seeing is a kind of a different procedure uh, than what's going on in the House this year and last year. Mm -hmm. Uh, Explain in layman's terms what's going on.
1: Yeah. So um, around 450 bills have been introduced in the past three days, um, and 36 of those bills have been passed on a third reading, and they're on their way over to the House. Um, All of those bills passed unanimously, or all of those bills most of those bills um, passed unanimously, Um, but all of those bills were bills that passed the Senate last year, but did not make it into law. Um, What's different than what happened last year in the Senate is last year, they suspended the rules and they passed 28 bills. They passed them on third reading and sent them over to the House on the first day of session. This year, however, they are following um, the procedure and um, Th- today was day three. On each day, they did first, second, and third reading on those 36 bills, and they sent them over to the House today.
0: I guess they feel that. Um we don't have to have more discussion and go back and forth the committee because we already did that once and so that's kind of President Blair's thoughts on the matter isn't it?
1: Yeah absolutely and that's something that he talked about um, towards the end of today's session he stepped down from the podium um, and he actually addressed the West Virginia public and he said that the reason that they are doing this is for efficiency so that they can get everything that they already agreed upon last session over to the house, so that the house can get working on it, um, and he just talked a lot about how the West Virginia public deserves the efficiency, the best like efficiency that um, the legislature can bring forward.
0: Makes sense, at least in his mind, it does. Emily, we're all trying to not say DHHR anymore because it's D-H-H-R. not <laughs> DHHR anymore. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're divided into three, but there's some some scrutiny and some oversight that's going to be going on, isn't there?
3: Mm-hmm. So the DHHR is to no more, it's the agency formerly known as, and um, it is now the West Virginia Department of Health, and the West Virginia Department of Health Facilities, and the West Virginia Department of Human Services, and all your existing bureaus fall underneath one of those categories, and they also have an Office of Shared Administration. Now that is part of where the scrutiny is coming from, is this Office of Shared Administration uh, Lacra, which is the legislative oversight committee, uh, that oversees health and human resources, and they uh, were questioning the Office of Shared Administration, asking whether or not there were overlapping bureaucracies going on, whether or not it was too much of the same. You know, the reason that they split the agency to begin with was that there was too much bureaucracy. There was understaffing there's a lot of you know a lot of things that came out in the McChrystal report which we don't have time to get into um... <laughs> that uh... dictate that the split would happen but we're still navigating it we're still getting you know new press releases from these new departments
0: i know uh, a- amy summers who is the chair of the health committee on the house side uh, has a ingrained interest she's a nurse and i know that the health committee yesterday talked about oversight talk about keeping an eye on uh, for example, the West Virginia First Group that's doling out the opioid funds to make sure that everything's transparent there. To make that th- I mean, it looks like they're really looking to make sure that this new organization all the way down, anything that relates to health, has to have transparency.
3: Yeah, absolutely. There was a Health uh, House Health Committee, um, and they talked about they're discussing expanding LaCroix's powers again. That's legislative oversight over Health and Human Resources, and they the entity itself is asking for its powers to be expanded and so that has to go through obviously all the channels but they want to go t- into executive session to discuss more uh tenuous things uh, cps cases privacy issues personnel sense. issues sure. um, and there's but the bill has been whittled down and uh delegate mike pushkin was actually uh, praising the bill for having being whittled down to the powers that they were asking for to begin with. So that'll be an interesting one to track through the session.
0: I know one thing that that seems to be rearing its head a little more than we've heard in the last couple of years is um, recreational cannabis. or They're calling it adult use with a quote-unquote adult use cannabis. And we've heard that the Democrats are, are pushing it hard, that we heard. Uh, Senator Mike Caputo yesterday say maybe he wants a constitutional amendment. We know that the Democratic Majority Leader in the House, Sean Hornbuckle, uh, says now that the time has come. But uh, a week or so ago at the legislative look-ahead, Republican President Craig Blair said, well, maybe the time has come. Maybe not this year, but maybe next year. And it seems like the Republicans are starting to understand a little more about the uh, financial gains that could be gained from from taxing and then blair also you know who makes the assertion that uh, x amount of of fentanyl 60 70 percent of the marijuana that's sold illegally in west Virginia is laced with fentanyl and he so he's calling for the death penalty in that regard and the thought was if we legalize marijuana recreationally then it's going to be scrutinized and there won't be fentanyl in it so those, it seems to me, from what I'm hearing, are the reasons that uh, maybe not this year, but maybe next year, that the, the pavement is being laid and the seeds are being sown for uh, recreational uh, marijuana, recreational cannabis in West Virginia. Because I know if you drive around the state, you see more and more of these uh, dispensaries popping up, more advertising for it. And it uh, looks like, what do you think? That time maybe has come?
1: Yeah, um, I think that West Virginia might be joining a wave of red states like Missouri that are um, legalizing recreational marijuana.
0: Another mm-hmm. place that we've seen a lot is is, is energy, Curtis. When it comes to uh, alternative energy, uh, renewable energies, uh, you've been on the solar beat lately, haven't you?
2: That's right. And uh, last week, uh, uh, I was up in Montgomery County. Uh, where Monpower uh, just activated the largest solar uh, uh, array in the state, um, something like 19 megawatts. It's uh, about four times larger than the one uh, that was previously the largest, the one at Toyota over in Putnam County. Uh, and I caught up with Delegate Evan Hansen of Monongalia County, and uh, he's one of the, probably one of the biggest proponents of renewable energy in, in the legislature, um, and he said that he's planning to reintroduce uh, a bill that, that, uh, that, that hasn't gotten through in past sessions uh, to enable community solar. Uh, well, you might ask, well, what's community solar? Well, if you think about people who have uh, solar on their rooftops, right? And they produce their own their own power at home. Uh, Community solar enables people to 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 uh, to get solar energy without having solar panels on oh, wow. their roofs. They can they can subscribe. Um, a, a household can subscribe, or a business, or a school. Um, it, it's it's an interesting concept. So you don't have to
0: pay the installation charges and all.
2: Well, uh, th- 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 that's right. And and, and actually, y- y- since it's a su- subscription service, you can actually cut yourself off from it at any time that you want, but it's proven to be very popular in other states and, uh, and you know, we'll see how far it gets this year, but, but that could, uh, in, in the bigger picture sense, uh, I saw a report this week that, that uh, this year and next year will be a really big year for solar expansion all across the country.
0: Bree, I know you're looking at a bill that has to do with our veterans and then has to do with uh, them doing some guarding and, and being armed.
1: Yeah, so Senate Bill 143, which was um, one of the bills that passed um, today um, in the Senate. That is a bill that was passed last year in the Senate as well, but did not make it through the House. Um, And this bill would allow former police officers, um, veterans um, to serve as private contractors in schools um, as armed guards um and that's that's what the bill
0: well we've had shortages of the i our school resource officers and with all the problems that we see around the country when it comes to shootings uh, mass shootings school shootings uh that that seems to be a very debatable point i know that last year we talked about campus carry quite a bit mm-hmm. and now all of our colleges and universities across the state are still putting their or crossing their t's and dotting their i's on how do we do this allowing people the campus carry so um arming people i guess it's a it's a thing of the times here in 2024 isn't
1: it yeah yeah i mean um and to be clear this bill would not um would not make these armed guards um resource officers within the school that that still would be a separate job within the school but um yeah, they would. They would have to go through um, some training and some vetting, but um, all of that would, most of that actually too, would also be up to that county's educational board. What the training and what the vetting would be.
0: Final local decision. plan. Okay. Exactly. Good. And these are all bills uh, and and ideas and that we're going to keep an eye on throughout our legislative session. Uh, and we got what, 58 days to go, 57 days to go. So uh, we'll all be straight on to it, and we'll be keeping an eye on on these issues and these bills throughout the 2024 legislative session. And thank you for spending this time with us. We'll be back Monday and every Monday through Friday at 6 p.m. with the legislature today. And remember, West Virginia Public Broadcasting covers the session daily in our radio news program, West Virginia Morning, and on our news site at wvpublic.org. We also broadcast daily floor sessions, both the House and the Senate, on the West Virginia channel. I'm Randy Yowie. For everyone here at West Virginia Public Broadcasting, thanks for joining us. Have a great weekend.
1: Support for the legislature today is provided by West Virginia University, offering education, health care, and the opportunity to achieve career success since 1867. Information at go.wvu.edu forward.
4: Join West Virginia Public Broadcasting for the nightly coverage of the 2024 legislative session. From in-depth reports to floor debates, committee action and newsmaker interviews, the legislature today brings you diverse opinions and analysis. Legislators, stakeholders and advocates all get a seat at the table discussing Mountain State policy and politics. Weeknights at six on West Virginia Public Broadcasting.